Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zapp. How's it going, man? Ben, it feels good to have cross-country back in the fold. It's been, what, since winter 2021, since we've had to analyze a cross-country season, so uh, I'm very excited to kind of be back, conclude it all, talk about it, and the big finale that was why maybe the most entertaining national meet I think we've ever had across three seasons. I yeah, it was crazy, and I tried to articulate this, and I don't know how how good of a job I did in our like instant reaction group chat, where there there seemed to be so much chaos. The races were all so entertaining from the individual and the team side on both the for both men and women, and yet at the end of the day, it was repeat team champions and the basically presumptive individual favorites who won. And yet, despite that almost predictability, there was so much drama. Yes, and, and it, was, it, it was the most predictable outcome with the most unpredictable results. Um, it was an absolute thrill, and we're about to jump all into it. Before we do that, we have two pieces of business to get to. The first one, hey, leave a rating and review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, help us out. We're almost at 50. We're one away from 50 on Apple Podcasts. We're well ahead uh, on our way to 100 on Spotify, but we've been slowing down a little bit. Need to pick that up. Those are rookie numbers. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, I know I know it's a bad quote. I know people are kind of sick of that quote, but I'm, I'm going to keep using it until we get, get where we need to. And then second of all, Speaking of, of uh, entities and people who are supporting us here, um, we are very proud and very excited to announce that Hoka is going to be supporting us uh, for well our NCAA XC coverage and throughout December. Uh, so a big thank you to Hoka. Make sure to go tag uh, Hoka uh, for all your race day uh, photos for a chance to go win uh, a new pair of spikes uh, in, that they're releasing in December. Um, we've been so happy and proud to, uh, to partner with them. And I just appreciate Hoka taking the chance on us and uh, we're, we're thrilled. So thank you to Hoka. Yeah, I, I need to find a new race to to run in so that I can have that opportunity to tag <laughs> them in. I, I, I want those spikes. Um, no, I, it's awesome to have Hoka aboard. We're, we're obviously very excited about that. Uh, but we got to talk about, as we mentioned before, one of the best NCAA races I think that we've ever seen, maybe that we have ever seen, um, you and I, over the last five or so years. Mm-hmm. Let's start on the individual side, and I think we need to start on the women's side. This, yep, We build this to be this great race between Parker Volby and Caitlin Tui, and I was so worried that it was going to fall short of our expectations because, like, hardly ever do the two favorites actually kind of clash and one of them win in a dramatic fashion and yet that's exactly what happened it not only like met our level of expectation but i think it exceeded it you saw parker volby take it out hard open up i think it was a 12 second lead at 4k and then you saw caitlin tui reel her in and pass her for the win it was just a thrilling race. And I think the first thing that I have to ask you is, was there a point where you started to feel like, oh no, Ben was right. Parker's <laughs> going to win this. Um, n- not really. I, I thought, I'm like, okay, this is at least going to be close. Um, but I, I just, like, I think 
it was just – I just knew like Tui knows what to do in those situations. She's so strong over the latter half of those races. It's just really hard. And the thing is like we saw – we've seen races like this where you know Wesley Kiptu, remember mm-hmm. when he had that crazy lead on this course, cut down. Um, it, it's not an easy race to front run. So I wasn't super worried. Um, if it would have had gotten past like four and a half K and five K and there wasn't some kind of gap shortening, I would have gotten more concerned for Tui. But you gotta give credit to Volby. And and the 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 best part and maybe worst part, and I don't even know how you could categorize this, is that she did all she could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, I don't really know. We we even said this in our reactions article. I don't know if there's anything that she could have done differently. I think my suggestion was that maybe she tries to start pulling away a K later than she did. Uh, but I don't, even, I don't even know if that was really going to make much of a difference. I mean, she did what she had to. She kept it competitive. And I just give her a lot of credit for that. Um, but it, it looks like, you know, front runners, um, they seem to do well on this course. So who would have thought? I, I mean, to build that kind of a lead, I... I... Me being a Volby enthusiast, I didn't even think she was going to be able to build that kind of lead uh, over Tui. And when you get to 2K out, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time to make up a 12-second lead unless someone really falls apart. And Volby, to her credit, did not fall apart. This was Tui slamming on the gas and just making up that lead in less than a mile and and just blowing past her. Um, when she did catch up to her, it was one of the most incredible, I think, just overall races. But then what she was able to do over the last two K that I races that I've ever seen. Um, and I wrote in the art in our group chat article, this is the last time I'm ever doubting her. Tui deserves to be the favorite in every single race, uh, fifteen hundred and above that she's entered in. Like she, she should win every race for the rest of her NCAA career at this point. There is no one that is going to come close to beating her at the moment. No, yeah, and that's what I—that's all the arguments that I was making in our last podcast or two. Because as good as Parker Volby is, and as crazy talented as she is, you know, I kept coming back to this: like, what has Caitlin Tui ever shown us since her rise to this national prominence that she was ever going to be? Um, you know, like really like at a disadvantage in these kind of races, you know, she's never really had a flaw. She's never, you know, again, over the past year or so, year and a half, she's never really had a flaw. She's never really had anything like that. And that's what makes this such a, that's what ultimately made it an easy pick for me at the safer pick. I've been pretty safe when predicting these meets this year, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And I, that ended up being the right strategy. I think this year is, is trust the person who, and I think to, to his own words, she never really redlined this year. She never really pushed herself all the way. And I, I don't even know if she did this, this weekend. Like I, she had to probably dig deeper than she has all year, but it seemed like she probably had another gear or two in her if she really needed to, which is a, a scary thing to think about for the rest of the NCAA um, any other thoughts on this race before we move to the men? I mean, it, it's just going to be any more thoughts would just be two is so amazing. Two is so amazing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, shout out to Parker Volby. It, it will be really interesting to see what she goes for in terms of national titles. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's going to be, you know, a, a very a, a try to tactical battle in terms of like mm-hmm. what, what meets certain 
individuals should go after in order to kind of maximize their chances for a national title. The thing is, is that I think Tui and Volby are just so perfectly dead set on races like the 5K, the 3K. It'll be interesting to see who moves up to the 10K. I imagine it would be Volby first. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So I'll drop it there. I'll leave it alone. All right. Yeah, it, it was an iconic race. And, and I'm hoping that we get to see them matched up over the next year or two a few more times. I, I like I said, not Benny against Tui, but Volby seems to bring out the best in her whenever they race, which which is always fun to see. Um, let's go to the men's side where Charles Hicks took home the title over Nico Young. Um, Drew Bosley uh, was in that group pushing the pace uh, for the majority of the time and they broke away from the field fairly early. This was an honest pace. Hicks ended up running 2843. Did you think that the NAU guys were ever going to be able to drop Hicks or, or did you have faith in him the, the whole way through? Oh, I mean, I definitely thought it was a possibility for sure. Um, you know, I think in that kind of like gas, gas, gas setting, I think that's like Nico Young and Drew Bosley at their absolute best. I mean, like yep. they put themselves in the absolute perfect position and, um, you know, it didn't work out, but I, I legitimately thought like, yeah, like, listen, Hicks is the best suited to handle any kind of race, right? but this race in particular suits Bosley and it suits Young the most. So I absolutely thought that they could drop him. Um, I didn't really see a moment where I thought they were going to drop him. Um, but I, I definitely thought it was possible. There were a few moments when they were kind of starting to go up hills where it looked like Sprout was like a meter or two behind and wasn't right there with, or not Sprout, where Hicks, Hicks wasn't right yeah. there, right there with them. And I was like, Ooh, are, are they, are they breaking him? And that sure enough, he would come back. And then once they got to like that last hill and then we're starting to go downhill, I, you, you just expected hicks to be able to pull away and, and that's exactly what he did but i mean for young and bosley i i think what they did really guaranteed themselves the highest finishes that they could have done i think if they would have run this race any other way they i, I don't think bosley is necessarily top five i think young might have been um but i i think they ran such a perfect race to at least give themselves a shot and like you said i think the reason why we all felt good about hicks is because he could do it anyway. Um, if, if this was a slower race, you still had faith that he was going to be able to beat a lot of these guys. Maybe you would have gotten nipped by someone like Alex Meyer um, or his teammate Kai Robinson, but he would have been right there. And, and in this, this scenario, he, I, I think it played out just as well for him as it did for Young and Bosley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a hard national title to get, but when it came down to... Young and Hicks in that final straightaway. I'm like, yeah, I think this is going to be Hicks. Although I'll say this, Hicks kind of like, it was an early kick for what was left in that race, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. I mean, I know it was probably only like, what, 200 meters or something like that. Um, maybe 300 meters. But it it was enough, It was like wide out enough to the point where I was like, Nico Young might be able to hang, but Hicks just had enough in the tank. Um I, I really want Nico to like I really wanted Nico to win that title. The problem is that I think it Hicks where he's at now deserved that title a hundred percent just because he was just again, like we said, most prepared for anything. But I just really thought that this was Nico's best chance of, of winning a title yet. He will probably have better chances in the future, you think, but we'll see what happens. I just I just thought this was his best chance. Yeah, you can't ever take any 
opportunities for granted because I mean, you never know who's coming through the pipeline or who's going to take a big step forward in the next year or two. But this, this was a great opportunity. And I, like we said, I think he played it perfectly. Um, He just got beat by, I think the best distance runner in the country right now. And and that's Hicks. Um, It'll be interesting to see where young goes from here. I think in our uh, group chat article before the race, we talked about um, I think me and I'm trying to think who else it was mentioned that he could build his legacy. He was the one who could really benefit uh, from title win. I think it was Gavin by winning this title because he's, he's been right there and, and he, he hasn't taken that as big of a step as Caitlin Tui has um, on the other side where you see this high school phenom rise through the ranks in the NCAA scene. And that's not to say that he won't eventually, but he he's just right off the cusp right now. And it's just, it's so unfortunate because everything else on his resume is like, Oh, this dude has panned out perfectly. Like let's, let's let like not be mistaken here. Just because he hasn't won a national title is not to suggest that he like hasn't panned out. Like that's no, not what we're great. saying. He's been amazing. He's been phenomenal. He's been probably one of the most entertaining, I think distance runners in terms of pure raw aerobic fitness he might be one of the most raw purely talented distance runners i have seen in maybe the past decade maybe top 10 somewhere he's probably along those lines but it is it's just like the, the tactics still need to be refined that much more the good news is that i think this race is probably going to be enough for him to finally move up to the 10k in the spring. I hope I mean, so, he, man. He has to. Like, that is his best distance. He has not touched it yet. And I, I totally, you know, get that he's great in the 5K, but relative to what his competition is, I, I can't see a scenario where the 10K isn't his best race. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, he's the 10K is perfect for the kind of runner he is, where he's just to grind it out and not leave anybody there to be able to outkick him. And the 5K, it's just so hard to be able to do that in that short of a race. I agree. I agree entirely. So those were the individual races. I think we got those set. Let's move on to the team races. And Ben, let's can you break this down how we're going to do it? So we're going to basically break up these uh, races in chunks of five. So we're going to um, start with the women and we're going to go teams that finished 27th to 31st. And then we're going to go on and talk about the next group of five and then on our way down until we get one through five. This way, we kind of get an opportunity to talk about all these different teams in some way, shape or form um, and not just the title winners. Yeah, I agree. So in the first group, obviously, 31 to 26, that's going to be six teams because there's 31 teams. It's not even just work with us here we know the math isn't perfect so um so let, let, let's start with the women uh 31 texas 30 northwestern 29 cbu 28 toledo 27 west virginia 26 utah valley very chalk in terms of what we expected this is really right on par with how a lot of this went i think some of us were like oh maybe northwestern or maybe cbu but a lot of these teams are just generally inexperienced mm-hmm. um they just don't have an nearly any like the scoring depth um so a lot of this wasn't too too surprising but ben i i wanted to i i want to try to figure out something i want i want us to solve a problem on the fly Mm -hmm. how are we going to make the south central region better 
how are we going to take like who who are we taking? Are we taking New Mexico for the mountain region, or are we taking Oklahoma State for the Midwest or or Iowa State from the Midwest region? So I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, and the the best thing that I have come up with so far is to disband the South Central. It's just to get rid of. It. <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely think that that's our best option is just to say there is no South Central. You can put Arkansas in the Midwest. You throw Louisiana and and maybe part or if not all of Texas in the South. And maybe you have to move a few teams like maybe you move Tennessee, the state of Tennessee up to the Southeast. But I, I, I think that solves everything, honestly. Like I, I, yeah. I they, they're. We're talking about two teams who are ever like nationally relevant. So it's not as if dispersing those teams to other regions is really going to make a big dent in any anywhere. I, I think that's the solution because I, I just I, I think trying to add or subtract states uh, to, to fit into the South Central is going to be difficult. I say just get rid of it altogether. That's the funniest thing. Honest and honestly, the worst part is that you might be right. That might be the best option. Because 983 points is historically atrocious. But anyways, um CBU, tough day for them, but they're better than 29th. Mm-hmm. Northwestern's like a feel-good story. I, I do think they're better than 30th, and I think Toledo has shown that they can be better than 28th, but they're just not consistent. Like Toledo has been all over the place this season. And, and I think this was a good representation of like, hey, you were 11th at Nuttycomb, but you're 28th at Nationals. And it's very hard to figure them out this year. Yeah, I, I had Toledo finishing a little bit higher just because I thought Joy Chirchir and, and Faith Linga would give them a little bit more scoring potency up front. And Chirchir lived up to that finishing 52nd, um, but Linga was back in 127th. I I didn't have a whole lot of faith in their back end and that that kind of came to fruition. Um, and I think you saw the same thing with Utah Valley. I mean, Everland Kemboy was just as good as expected finishing 19th, but they just, they, they kind of rode the wave, uh, throughout the season of highs and lows and, and they just didn't have enough in the back end to be able to supplement their low stick up front. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you can just kind of go through this list though. And outside of that though, like it, it's surprising because Utah Valley, like they started the season so strong. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were amazing. They were really good, and like they weren't like a top ten team, but it was like, oh, this team's like, this team's competitive. Like this team's like gonna be a, a factor, and they just never really kind of got back to it. I'm just surprised that like you, it's such a night and day kind of thing. Still great to see them get to the national meet. This is still a majorly successful season. I'm not trying to take that away from them. They're a good team, but this is ultimately like. You know, I think people were like, oh, like, why didn't you rank them? They had so much success on the track. It's like, well, because there really wasn't a whole lot of basis for cross country. And that's what made it so difficult to gauge this team. And I think we still have difficulties gauging this team. They're clearly very talented. Um, I just I just don't know. Like, I still don't know what to think of them after a whole season. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this group of six, uh, you could see all of them finishing uh, in these positions before this meet happened. I, I think, like you said, Texas, Northwestern, West Virginia kind of all fall in that bubble of like, happy to be here. Um, glad we qualified. CBU, Toledo, Utah Valley, I think they could have all expected to be higher up, but not a ton. I think maybe Utah Valley, as you talked about, 
based off of the flashes that they had shown, I think it was Cowboy Jamboree, you could have maybe expected them to be a, a lot further up, but this seems like the right range for a lot of these teams. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think generally speaking, this is not, nothing is too surprising here. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Let's go to the next block of five. 25th was Colorado State, 24th Oregon State, 23rd Syracuse, 22nd Michigan, and 21st Arkansas. Um, I think Oregon State was the team that obviously just made it, um, and they probably were predicted by uh, a lot of us to maybe finish further back, but when you have two front runners like Kaylee Mitchell and Grace Featherstone Haw, there's only so far you can fall back, and that proved to be the case with their 24th place finish. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what happened there. It's exactly what happened really kind of at the West Regional meet, although mm-hmm. um, it was Christina Geisler who really kind of saved that team. But yeah, I'm kind of looking at this now. Um, we had a 30th place finish for them, a 26th place finish for them, 30th, 26th, 30th, 30th. So they outperformed expectations. Um, I had them 30th, you had them 26th. So you were pretty spot on. And I think you kind of recognize that um, pretty closely. So shout out to you. But yeah, I mean, this generally speaking, a lot of these teams are, are pretty much what we thought. It's another one of those things where it doesn't surprise us. Colorado State, though, is a team yeah. where it was like, oh, we thought we had it. We thought the death would, sh- uh, would show up. Um, it just It just never happened. Sarah Carter... 43rd overall was great. It's really cool to like see her have such a great season, breakout season. But, you know, the, the depth, you kind of look at that lineup structure, at least in the scoring lineup, and it, it's not like it's like crazy all over the place, but, you know, because like, their second, third, and fourth scores, even fifth, were, you know, they weren't, they weren't, there weren't like these crazy gaps, but there were still enough to the point where it's just like they're just further back in general than we thought they would be. Right, that group two through five was just 40 places further back than I think we probably would have expected. And you put you move that whole group up 40 points, save about 150, and all of a sudden you're talking about being like a top 15 team all of a sudden, yep. um, which I, I think was definitely in the cards for them if everything went well. Um, Syracuse, a little bit of a disappointing performance considering what they had done in the regular season. This looks more like the team that ran at regionals where they, they, they weren't as good. Um, Savannah Rourke continued to be a great low stick finishing 23rd. Um, and then Michigan, Michigan, like we, we just, we, we never saw them all together on the right day. Kayla Windemuller had a tough day. Erica Vanderlyn actually ran solid. Samantha Tran continued to be the most consistent uh, runner for Michigan all year, being their number two scorer, finishing 100th. I, I mean, for them to not even have a very good year and not have a very good NCAA performance and still finish 22nd just shows you the type of talent that they had on this team where they could have been so, so much better. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse and Michigan, it's like, it's like I just like want to be like, what? You, were, you could have been so much better. Like, I believe in you, you know? Like, there's there's just so much there, and I just don't think it ever really materialized for them. Michigan more so than Syracuse. Um, but Syracuse like had a really great start to their season. Cowboy Jamboree and Nutty Comb. It, it, it just comes back to this postseason, like I can't trust Syracuse in the postseason still. And, and the, the craziest part is like 23rd is not terrible. Like it's, it's no. not the worst performance ever. Like, it, it, you know, it's not great, but it, it could be worse. So 
I'm trying to keep this in perspective. They still had Savannah Rourke, who has been so awesome. I figured she'd be good. I didn't think she'd be this good. She was, what, 23rd this past weekend? So she was awesome. She's the, the great spotlight. She leads this team. She kind of gives them an identity, which I think they really need. Um, so she was a pleasant surprise this year. And to be fair to Syracuse, they were still better than where we had them to begin with. Um, so I'll give them that credit. Michigan, I just have no idea. I, I'm still, they still have not run their best uh, race of the season. So they, they could have finished within like a 15 team range. And I think we could have been like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yep. That's, yep. We, we, that's what we could have expected. Um, and then Arkansas finishing 21st. Um, not a, a whole lot of surprises there. Isabel uh, Van Camp, great low stick, finishing 48th. Mia Cochran had a good race, finishing 64th. Um, but just the names that you hoped would come through, like Taylor, Taylor Ewart, just never really came through in a big enough way to to give this team a little bit more scoring potency. I really like Mia Cochran, um, and maybe it's because she's a PA girl, and you know, shout out PA, PA don't play. But it's just one of those things where, like it's van camp it's her but then everything else is just like you're just like it's not a it's not a terrible back end like there's a lot of like raw talent on that back end but i just thought thorvaldson would be a little bit better this season i thought hyde and Ewart and some of the you know the transfers would be just a touch bit better and you know it's not terrible it's not the worst performance ever and this is exactly actually what we thought they would be um but i'll be really curious to see what happens when cochran um you know, comes back next year. I don't know if Van Camp is returning. It looks like she is. She's a junior. Um, so if you know, really, I think they they actually left a good number of points on the table for Van Camp, and I think Cochran can be better in the future. And I think there's still an upside for Arkansas uh, in 2023. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, this should be probably their lowest finish for the next year or two, um, which is promising. Um, all right, let's move on to the next group of five. In 20th was Michigan State, 19th Wisconsin, 18th Florida State, 17th Washington, and 16th Providence. Um, I, I think all of these were about right. I, yep. I labeled uh, one of my tiers on the women's side the Big Ten and Toledo tier of mystery. And <laughs> I feel pretty validated because we've already talked about Toledo and Michigan. And Wisconsin and Michigan State kind of showed up in the middle of things. They could have been five spots slower, five spots higher. Wouldn't have been a surprise. But I, I think this result is a good summary of their season as a whole. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, like when I was reading and editing the the article and I saw that tier and I was like, oh, he summarized it so perfectly. Like it was exactly what I was thinking. But yeah, like really when you when you take a look at this, like my pick of Michigan State, I was like, oh, maybe they could be sneaky good. Actually, no, they were exactly how we thought they were in the rankings, exactly how we thought they were at everywhere else. Like, yeah, it, it was it, it's very chalk. Like I, I I hate going through these results and just being like, yep, that seems right, that seems right, that seems right. But like you really look at some of our rankings, it they really don't differentiate that much. No, I mean we we both had Michigan State in this range, I think Wisconsin as well. Um, Washington, I think, had a solid day, and Providence, I was very impressed by. They built on that momentum from regionals and, and finished 16th. I think this was a very solid race for them. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think Providence, this is exactly what we thought we were going to get out of Providence, though. Jane Buckley was a top 50 talent. 
Um, I'm trying to figure out like where else they had that other Flockhart score. was 69th. Flock, and that's what I'm looking for. Flockhart was 69th. It was a great top two, followed by a passable bottom three scores. And that's exactly what they, see, they had done all season. Really, Providence is the perfect example of if you just do what you're supposed to do, if no one has like an exceptional day, but no one's like exceptionally terrible, you can at least just put yourself in the middle of this pack, which is exactly what happened at 16th, um, just because like other teams are just going to have really bad races. Like I, I think a lot of it's like, you know, people try to like go out and be heroes. If you just do do what you're supposed to, you will get a middle of the pack result. Yeah, I mean, they were the picture of competence, I think, this mm-hmm. weekend, where great, they, great way. they didn't have the best race of their life. They didn't have the worst. And I, I think I was more impressed by just like this was a pretty inexperienced team at, at the NCAA level, and they they showed up. They they didn't do anything crazy. No one tried to be here, like you said. Um, and then Florida State in 18th, I, I think this was another team that I, I at least struggled with. Throughout the year, you could see their highs uh, were decently high, but their lows were also pretty low. Um, and, and I think they kind of split the difference here with this 18th place finish. Uh, Emmy Vandenberg being their number one and 50th place leading the way as she has done all year. Yeah, Florida State's a good team. I don't think we really ever knew exactly what we were getting out of them. Um, but yeah, I seems about right like i think like this is their their higher end of like where they could have finished mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i i'm not too super surprised given what they had shown us early in their season specifically at joe piani um especially given the context of how good we know oregon state is now toledo is now etc yep all right let's move on in 15th place we had ohio state 14th oregon 13th stanford 12th utah and 11th colorado there's not many things that i get locked on as well as I do uh, with the Colorado women. my I, I looked at my predictions again. I didn't even pick Ella Baron to be an All-American, even though I, I talked about her on the podcast being <laughs> someone that absolutely could have. I, I don't know what I was thinking about when I was doing the predictions. Sure enough, 30th place for, performance for her and Colorado not being nearly as good as expected, despite Bailey Hertenstein finishing fifth and, and Gabriel Ori and, and Emily Covert actually having decent days. They just they didn't have enough oomph to really be a top 10 team this year. Yeah. And, and I actually, you know, I, I actually understood that uh, it's Minuti. I think it was, I think she was running on a broken foot. I heard uh, mm. from a, a good source. So um, that was, that'll do it. yeah, that'll do it. And such a shame because she really kind of makes that difference. She's exactly what they needed for that lineup. And so the fact that Colorado actually got by in 11th place, which is where I predicted them to finish. Um, like it's, it's about right. Like it's exactly where they were kind of ranked or floating around to being ranked all season long. It's about right. Um, Ohio State. What Woo! I mean, what a postseason stretch. I mean, I, I think a lot of people were like shockingly the coaches poll, which I'm, I'm so. I, I've always said I'm not going to bring up any other. Save, save that rant. Save that rant for another day. It's just. <laughs> They were ranked so highly up during the regular season, right? But there was no basis for it. And I was like, what? what's going on? And sure enough, Big Tens, they get fourth. It's like, yeah, like we, what, what, what was the basis for it? But you know what? Ohio State said, screw it. We're going to peak when it matters. They won the, or they got a second automatic qualifier 
in the Great Lakes region. And now they finish 15th, 15th, which is awesome. Um, I, I love that for Ohio State. I think a lot of us were high on Ohio State. Uh, I had them 17th. You had them 17th. And I don't think anyone else was as high on them as we were. Yeah, no one else was as high on them. I mean, their top three just came through again. Addy Angle was uh, was amazing with 10th. But, I mean, having Daniela Santos and Andrea Kuhn being 61st and 75th, I mean, your last two scores can finish almost a dead last and you're going to be in the top 20. And, honestly, they, they came pretty close to doing that um, with their fifth score finishing 233rd. It was just that front end did not make a mistake over the the in the postseason. They were so solid throughout that whole time and that really carried them through, especially in a field as big as NCAAs is. Yeah, I like that team. Like they're they are like uh the stamp they're the Alabama light version mm-hmm. on the women's side. And it just it's a model that works. Like it's again like you just have to have three really good ones kind of do their job. And again, like it, it's not even like they had three All Americans. They just had three women who were like were pretty solid. And with everyone else falling behind, they still got fifteenth, well overperformed. What I think, based on what we thought from them doing at the Big Ten Championships, I like this team a lot. Big fan of Addie Angle. Um, just a huge congrats to that team because I really like the Buckeyes. How they peaked perfectly, probably better than most teams did this year. Yeah, I agree. Looking at the other Pac-12 teams that finished behind Colorado, Utah, Stanford, and Oregon, I think this is a little bit uh, of an off day, I think, for Utah and Stanford. I I would have expected them to be a little bit higher up. I I was a little lower on Oregon coming in. This was kind of around the range that I I was guessing they would be. Um, Stanford, I mean, Zofia Dudek was great finishing 20th, and and it's hard to really fault their back end. They, They still had uh, four win, uh, total of four women in the top 125. Their their depth was decent. It just wasn't quite far enough up to be a top 10 team this year. I'm actually looking at my predictions. I was so good on these. Oh my gosh. I had, I had Stanford 13, Oregon 14, and Colorado 11. Like that's pretty strong. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. This is about where I thought. Like, I don't think it's crazy where if like one or two teams just had exceptional days that like mm-hmm. they'd be pushed back one or two spots. I mean, that you kind of look at like where they're ranked in our rankings, and if Virginia doesn't have the absolute biggest race of their life, then like yeah, like they're they're probably in line with our rankings. So like, I'm not totally shocked by this. I think Stanford's just really young; they need more firepower, but. I mean, what, they had four women in the top 100 of the scoring, five women in the top 110 of the scoring. This is team scoring, by the way, not overall results. So, yeah, like, and then if I'm Oregon, again, a similar lineup, just slightly, a little bit lower on the back end of their lineup. So this is roughly what I thought. The good news is that I think both of these teams have tremendously bright futures, and I think they'll be cracking the top 10 next year. Oh, Stanford's going to be so fun to watch. Like, their recruiting class coming up, I'm sure we'll talk about later. And paired with what their freshman class already is like they they need like a 25 percent hit rate for those women and they're going to be unreal the amount of just quality and quantity that they've somehow combined in these last two classes is just stacked they're it's it's crazy you're right it's just like if a quarter of those women 
hit. And a lot of them have already shown really good promise. Um, a lot of flashes. A lot of flashes. Um, and for for first year rookies, that's really encouraging. Even for some of the underclassmen in general. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean Sophia really like Dudek is not like old. Like she still no. has like I think two years at least of eligibility, right? And, and yep. so like she she's kind of the old head in that lineup and, and she's going to be around for a while. Um let's go on to the top. 10 let's talk about georgetown who finished 10th 9th was virginia 8th byu 7th notre dame and 6th nau i was looking at our predictions i i had virginia 14th i was high on virginia wow and i i thought that they were a lot better than what they had shown so far but not in my wildest dreams did i see ninth place and especially beating georgetown who i was also very high on um they just ran incredibly well no one was an all-american but it didn't matter because they had four women inside the top 65 and that's just an incredible piece of running by this team eight second spread between Mia burnett and 44th and anna workman in 65th um they packed up and just ran a complete race fifth runner finishing 114th just an incredible performance and this can be such a big stepping stone for this also fairly young team moving forward so when i initially saw this result i thought great amazing result they ran super super well peaked perfectly yada 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 right and i but then i like i was kind of like you know all right well listen can you really do this again right like this is uh, kind of a flash in the pan this is kind of like a one race wonder kind Mm -hmm. of thing right because like they hadn't really shown anything like this right well, maybe they had, you know, because like if you kind of look at what they did during the regular season, they didn't face anyone majorly competitive at the no. Virginia Invitational, Battle in Beantown, Panorama Farms, and they were crushing these fields. But we were over here like, well, they don't have a great resume. Like, who are they beating? They'll get, you know, you know, they'll they'll get silenced once they face really good teams. But then they go to the ACC championships, finish behind only NC State and Notre Dame. They beat UNC, who was admittedly without Brim Brown and would have beaten them. But uh, the last I checked, all three of those teams were in the top seven of the national meet. All of them beat Virginia. And then Virginia goes ahead. They uh, get, what, third? Is it, What did they finish? Yeah, they get third in the Southeast, again, losing only to two teams that were in the top five. And then it's ninth. And so like I've now like had trouble looking at this result and being like, is this actually how good they were? Or was this a real one-race wonder? Because I can't find anything to suggest that like, hey, maybe this wasn't a fluke. Maybe this is like truly how good they were. I think the Virginia men and women, you can say the same thing about them through those first few races where they were both dominating and you could see poss- like that they could possibly put together a top 10 kind of performance if they could show up at ACCs and regionals. And while the men didn't really live up to the test, the Virginia women did. Um, and, and I think the problem we had with ranking them this highly um, was because we just didn't have much else to look at outside of ACCs. And when you're only looking at one race, um, that could be a really good day or that could have been a mediocre day. And it turned out that was just about right um, for Virginia women. I, I am really excited to see what they can do moving forward because now they're certainly going to be on our radar. Yeah, um, no idea what to think of them. But I'll say this. I was high on Georgetown all preseason in the mm-hmm. summer. I said they're going to be so good. 
Um, they weren't good in the ways that I thought they would be, but they were still phenomenal. Like Grace Jensen being an All-American was the impact that I thought they needed. Kenny and McDonald has had a key role for this team, at least later in the season. You know, and then women's just stepped up. Maggie Donahue was great. Chloe Scrimgeour uh, was awesome. Scrimgeour, I think, I'm, I'm sorry, I know I butcher that name every time, but um, I'm just proud of them in 10th place. I thought this was a good spot. I thought this was where they could be. And um, I just shout out to that coaching staff because they they really brought in all the right pieces. And I think you put it perfectly in the group chat, which was this team worked like an M- uh, an NBA team in free agency. They went out, had had already great weapons, but they got all the pieces they needed to be truly into that next tier. And, and I really like that about Georgetown. Um, it's kind of like what the Sixers should have been this season. <laughs> well, I, I was going to compare them to the Sixers because th- th- what they did was very similar. They plugged the gaps they needed to plug, but then the Sixers stunk. And so I was like, <laughs> I, I don't want to insult Georgetown by saying that that's what they did because they actually they did the same thing, but it was actually successful. Um, so yeah, I, I echo all the things that you said about Georgetown. I, I was high on them um throughout this year and i think a lot of people stepped up in a big way for them to be able to to get this 10th place finish um byu finishing eighth a little bit of an underwhelming performance it's hard to really fault them too much they they had four inside the top 71 that fifth runner was a little bit further back than maybe we expected they still had two all-americans um mckenna lee maybe not having her best race in 70th but this this team just didn't look like the BYU teams of old, and, and despite that, they still were able to finish eight. Yeah, I mean, listen, was it their best race ever? No, but it, it's not. It's it's not like I'm looking at this result like, oh, I'm shocked. Like, no, nah, about right. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe it was on the lower end, but I think what I had, yeah, you had them seventh, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. had them tenth. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where everyone else had them. Everyone else had them you know, six, things like that. So I don't know. I was never really that low. Like, you know, I think what Mara had them eighth. So it's about right. I think it was roughly about right. Could they have been a spot or two better? Sure. But you kind of look at what they did at Cowboy Jamboree and you look at the teams who they beat at Nutty Comb, it roughly aligns. And they were only six points out of six. So like yeah, a second but, difference in one person's results and and that, that could change things. So um, yeah. they were right there with Notre Dame, NAU, um, and, and I think Notre Dame, it, this was pretty much what we could have expected. I think this was like the very much like the median outcome for them. If ACC was about the the, the highest they could go, um, and some of their early season performances were about as low as they could go, this kind of cut the difference. Um, I think Chisholm ran a really solid race, finishing 81st. Thronson was solid. Um, We just didn't see the good Maddie Denner. And when we see the good Maddie Denner, this is when this team looks like a different kind of beast. Uh, Mark Zich was amazing, as she has been all all year, finishing 8th. I think they were just about as good as they could have expected without Denner scoring for this team. Yeah, Mark Zich has been so good. But you know what? Credit to this Notre Dame staff again. You know, they really didn't have a great basis for, you know, coming in from last year. Like, yes, they had a great postseason. They peaked at the championships, but it's really like last year they were not good for most of that season. So for them to come in, be well ahead of where they were last year, and be nationally competitive basically since the early to middle portion of the season was really encouraging. It was exciting. You know, like you said, Chisholm 
step, stepping up big. Markazich mm-hmm. was better than she's ever been. Anna Sophia Keller was great. Maddie Denner, you know, she wasn't ever you know great, but she at least offered support. Katie Thronson enters the program. Like they did all the right things. They still had them peak when it mattered. They were competitive. They gave NC State a run for the money. I just, I just shout out to Coach Sparks because I think like. It's very easy to be like, well, they should have been on the podium when in reality, compared to last year, this is still a, a fantastic season, fantastic finish. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I just I just really think it's it's a really solid performance. So I think this year in this this race almost was more important for this program than last year. It really yeah. solidified them as like podium contenders like they they were they were really only what 19 points behind North Carolina for fifth like they they were around that range and with some new faces in there so I I think they've really what they've done is built this expectation of being a top 10 program now which I, I think is huge for them moving forward um and then last lastly NAU wrapping up just a breakout season for them uh, finishing sixth despite their presumptive number one coming into this year, Taryn O'Neill, not really playing a huge role throughout the season. She ended up being their sixth runner today in 106th. Um, but Elise Stearns took just a massive step forward, finishing fourth, continued to look like she had all regular season. And then the rest of the team was just as solid as they've been um, throughout the season. It was, I think this was a great way to cap their year. I think they could have maybe had they they probably had some hopes of maybe squeaking out a podium finish, but this is about right where we've seen them run all year, and I think they should be really proud of this. Uh, two things: uh, the NAU men plus two and a half was a great line. Oh great yeah, for me, what would have I would have won money on that? And <laughs> um, I, I just it's I'm so impressed by this team. I'm so impressed. They had to have so many women have breakout seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not just Stearns. Stearns is, and she'll be someone we talk about extensively, oh, but yeah. Anika Rice, um, Alexis uh, Kebby, uh, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Like even Jessalyn Breeze, you know, she's been part of this, like she's kind of like a role, but she's never had this good of a role where she's top 70. Bryn Morley, uh, you know, steady. Taryn O'Neill, when she's your sixth runner, that's amazing. They had seven women. In the top 112, all five of their scores in the top 100 results overall. And that's that's yeah. really impressive. I, I just, I'm going to spoil a future article. If anyone votes other than Elise Stearns for most improved, most improved yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. I, it, sh- it shouldn't happen. It's it's an easy decision on that one. She what she's done. She she went she catapulted past the like decent to good to great. She just went straight to great. Like and that's incredible. You'd never see that happen. Like I don't I don't know who else would probably be in that gum. Like maybe it's Kelsey Harrington. You could maybe argue for Maya Ramsden. It's maybe Savannah Rourke probably has an argument in there. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's nothing like Stearns. What Stearns has done is beyond phenomenal. Agreed. Um, all right. Anything before we move on to the top five? Let's do top five. All right. In fifth place, North Carolina. Fourth, Oklahoma State. Third, Alabama. Runner up, New Mexico. And your NCAA champions were the NC State Wolfpack, getting their second consecutive title. 
this was fun to watch the the live results as they things just ebbed and flowed because Alabama was right there. Then New Mexico was making a charge there in the end. But through it all, NC State was just right around that picture. And it was because they had Tui and Camille scoring three points between the two of them. And then Samantha Bush was great all year, was 15th. And then Nevada Moreno, best performance, most impactful performance of her career, finishing 29th. She had shown flashes of like a big step up for her on the grass this year, but this was the biggest result without her. They do not win. They like the fifth runner for them was 90th. Six was 98. No chance of them winning unless she has the race of her life. I I just, I mean, Nevada Marina like that. She saved him at Nuttycomb and she saved him again in the national meet. Cause if you take a look after Nevada Marina, there was a drop off to their fifth score all the way down to Brooke Robert in 90th place overall. For Nevada Marino to, like, I, I mean, if she had finished in the top 60. That would have been a good like, race for her. And we would have been like, hey, good race for Nevada Marino. But they would have lost if she was yeah. 59th. They would have lost. Uh, well, I take that back. Because no, I the team's... It, well, displacement. I think they, yeah. they would have lost. Yeah. Well, there's, it's 24. She scores 24 points in 29th place. And in 59 points, she scores 48. No, they would have barely hung on. But then New Mexico would have added like the the basically four. Oh, four, that's four right, because they move yeah. up. You're yeah. right, because it takes out displacement. You're right. Yeah. Oh, good catch. No, there you go. I'm usually pretty good about that. <laughs> nice catch. You're right. So the, and that, and that's what basically like, she didn't just like run a great race. She ran so far beyond and above to the point where like she she should be given the national title to take home. Kind of like when, like the not like NHL play, like people, yeah, they give the Stanley Cup. She should be the one to take it home. She should first. be the first one. Yeah, she should I be agree. the very first one. So, the thing that I kept coming back to when I was analyzing this the NCAA performance is I looked at the top four teams, and and they were the top four teams that we we largely expected. And the way the race played out. I mean, the winner scored 114 points. If I would have given you an over-under for 100 points under. on the, the title, you would have said, we both would have said under by a yes. lot. Um, and I think the crazy part about this race is every single one of those title challengers, all four of them, showed their weaknesses. You saw NC State, that 4-5 spot wasn't as solid as we expected. And we were like, Seems like Nevada Moreno is kind of papering over some cracks. Can we expect that? Sydney Seymour has been a little up and down. Can we really trust her? And a lot of that came to fruition for New Mexico. We were like, hey, we feel good about their, they're going to have five women, probably all American range. And that's what happened. But we weren't sure if they would just have that firepower up front where they were going to be able to challenge NC State after giving up maybe 15, 20 points just right off their first runner or two. That came to fruition. Alabama, good through four, but that fifth, and that's exactly what happened. The fifth just was way, way too far back, pushed them out. Um, they would have lost this race if they would have just scored their fifth runner alone against SC State. And then Oklahoma State, like you, you felt good about their top two. You, you felt good probably through four, but that fifth runner was a little, a little iffy. And I mean, admittedly, 
Bella uh, Jabkuri didn't have a great race. And if she runs better, then they're, they're much more in the picture. But it was just amazing to me to see all these teams show their weaknesses. And yet NC State was still able to win. And a lot of these teams were still very, very competitive up to that last K or two. It's crazy to me that New Mexico can have five All-Americans and NC State's fifth runner can finish 90th overall, but yet they still win by 26 points. Which I didn't think was possible. I didn't and think it was going to be possible. I didn't think that's mathematically possible. <laughs> and that's why right? I picked New Mexico to win. And I was feeling pretty good about it for a while. And then they just didn't have... When, when, you're, going, when you're spotting, I think they were spotting what? 45 points after their first two runners. It's yeah. just really hard to break that, despite Mazadani and Larkin finishing 22nd and 26th. It's so crazy. And no credit to you, because you sat here on this podcast, and you, I said, is it really going to matter if they don't have the exact firepower to match NC State? And you said, yeah, I actually do think it, it matters, because all, all NC State has to do, if they get three or four women across that line before their top five, then yeah, like it's... It, it might not matter how far back, relatively speaking, to an extent, how far back those four or five are. Nevada Maroonas still needed to have a great day, but you're absolutely right. Um, at Oklahoma State, I- I'm going to have a really hot take. I think if Jip Curry runs at her best, and I think if Hentman runs at her best, I think they could have won this title. It was it was there. That's what I'm saying. Like all these teams, none of them had a good day, like a great day. They were all like. B-plus versions of themselves, which opened it up. If someone wanted to have an A-plus day, they were going to win out of these top four teams. And that's like the the frustrating part. I think if you're Oklahoma State, you look over on the men's side, they had an A-plus day, and they nearly pulled it off. If if Oklahoma State women had an A-plus day, they, they would have, I think, been able to pull it off as well. Because like, here's the craziest part. Oklahoma State had the better five than NC State Mm-hmm. And Alabama, and like I, you know, I think the the big thing for us with Al, with Oklahoma State is Gabija Galva Galvadite, by the way, who is all is a four hundred meter hurdler and eight hundred meter runner who's in the top eighty at the national meet. It's insane. Yeah, she ran great and, and like moved up the field really well. Got thirty two spots in the last K, and, and like like you're saying, I, I felt good about Hentman being an All American. She was fifty seven a little bit of an off day for her. And if Chip Curry was 25th, they're, they're right there all of a sudden. And, and it's just, it's so frustrating because it, they just, the title was there for the taking. I don't think NC state really grabbed hold of it. It was, it was a weaker performance overall on the team title. It's on the team side that I think either of us expected. I mean, 114 points won the race. All right, let's quickly touch on North Carolina and move to the men. Um, UNC was awesome. It's so, just, so great. I'm so good. Kelsey Harrington and Brim Brown kind of flopped like where we thought they probably could have finished. But like, you kind of look at everything else. It's pretty chalk. Like it's, it's Sasha Naglia having probably the best race of her mm-hmm. season in a, probably a, since her Ever. freshman year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I don't think. Oh well, yeah. She was, she was all American. Was she all American? Or she was just outside. I think yeah, she okay. was. Um, but Natalie Tyner, you know, like Natalie, is that Natalie Tyner? Yeah. Yeah. 66. I mean, like, and here's the thing, Eva Klingbeil, the freshman, true freshman uh, from Colorado, I think it is, she comes in kind of late in the season out of nowhere, and she kind of stabilizes that back end. And, and you know, Fatima Alana's not terrible in 130th overall. 
she's pretty solid back there. It wouldn't have made too much of a dramatic difference, but I do think that that's ultimately, you you kind of look at what that difference there, that might've actually, yeah, that might've actually been the difference maker yeah. from fifth to six. But regardless, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's absolutely true. Don't want, no, one no, 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 you're right. If, if, Am I right? yeah, if, if, um, if Klingbill was behind Alanis, then not only do or North Carolina not finish fifth, but I think they slide back to seventh, possibly eighth with displacement because I mean, they were only 19 points ahead of BYU. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and that's, that it's it's really not that big of a gap from Clean Beal to Alanis. It really wasn't. It's not like Alanis ran poorly, but like she is ultimately the difference maker, and it, it's just it created a complete thorough lineup. They had firepower. They had middle lineup support, and they had a, a, a decent enough back end. And I just I compliment this team. They're they're rising. Like the whole the the best part about this is that I I could see like each of these runners, like this is like their best case scenario. Whereas Virginia, like I couldn't imagine like that was like what they were all capable of doing. Whereas UNC, I could actually see this visibly happening and that's encouraging for their future podium hopes and future national title hopes. It's going to be a fun battle to watch North Carolina and Virginia with these, these young teams go at each other for the next few years. Uh, conference foes. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the men's side. Starting with the bottom six, we had 31st Georgetown, 30th Princeton, 29th Michigan, 28th Colorado State, 27th Alabama, and 26th Utah State. I was nervous about Alabama coming in, and I was I was thinking that Kip saying didn't look quite right, and, and he wasn't great, but he finished 98th, which I think was relative to maybe some of his other teammates almost as good as what Kiprop did finishing 66th and Chariot finishing 209th. No one had a good day for this no. Alabama team. No, and, and it just like it just happens. Like this team was going to be had to be solo reliant on their top 3 and we said this. If if they don't run well, then the entire team doesn't run well. Like that's just kind of how their structure is. Um like I don't think anything that we said previously in the season was wrong. Like this is again the SEC champions. Like it's not like they had a bad season. They were third at Joe or fourth, third or fourth at Joe Piani. So yeah, it's it just happens. Like if one guy went down, and it's not like anyone like DNF, but they just had bad races, and it happens. And yeah, like this was a possibility, but this was also just a, just a bad day. It happens. The rest of this, the teams in this range, I think, made sense. I, I would have expected maybe Colorado State to be a little bit higher up. Um, and, and Michigan wasn't great. I, I think Princeton and Georgetown just didn't quite have enough firepower up front um, to be able to move up much. Um, but I, I think a lot of these teams were happy to be there at NCAA's, and this was about as, as far up as we could have expected a lot of them to finish. Yeah, our South region versus Mid Atlantic bet, and as we'll see later on, Oof. it was it was like the worst of the worst. It, we we probably chose the two worst regions to pick from. And the bad. South won that, right? Yeah, by default, South, pretty much. Pretty much by <laughs> default. Yeah, it, it was not good. It was really bad. <gasps> that that's funny now thinking back. Um, any other thoughts? I mean that. 
these teams, no, I think I mean, we, we all expected to finish around this range. Yeah, I thought Princeton had a chance to finish a little bit higher. Yeah, I had them I mean, 24th, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking through this now, and there really weren't that many crazy differences. Again, Colorado State was a little bit higher. Alabama was higher, but it also wasn't inconceivable for either of those teams to falter like they did. Yeah. Um, all right. 25th place, Montana State. 24th, Ole Miss, 23rd, Arkansas, 22nd, Virginia, and 21st, Butler. Um, Ole Miss, I think this was about right, was hoping that Montana State was going to be able to put uh, put together a top 20 performance. Matthew Richtman was great grabbing that last All-American spot, um, but we just didn't see maybe the best performances from some of these other guys. Uh, ben Perrin um, wasn't nearly as high up as we expected. Duncan Hamilton was solid, finishing 67th, but they just, they, I think the inexperienced at this level kind of showed. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because Hamilton and Rickman on this stage aren't really all that inexperienced. Like they're, they're actually, they, they've been here a couple times before. So it's not the worst thing ever. But yeah, I agree. Overall, that the, the lineup, Overall, inexperience probably got to them. Ole Miss, I thought they had a little more momentum than they actually did. Um, but this is, again, still roughly about right. They're barely a top 25 team. It, it roughly checks out. Um, and then Virginia and Butler, like, this was this was about right. Like, this is roughly where we saw them coming in. I think we said, like, this is probably, I don't want to say they're ceiling. I don't, I don't know where everyone else predicted them, but... Yeah, someone had them 20th, someone had them 18th, someone had them, yeah, that, that's about as high as I saw. Oh, someone had them 14th, so there's that. that. that yeah, I had a 17th, so I, I thought, this. I mean, they still had a solid pack, they just were a little bit further back than, than kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, they're also, they're another team that's so young, mm-hmm. they're really inexperienced, and well, certain aspects of their lineup are, so yeah, it happens um arkansas i i honestly think this is a win for them this year i i thought this could have been a really really lost year and to finish 23rd get some guys some experience at this level um patrick kiprop was very good um finishing 24th um uh, and as some of the younger guys got some opportunities to run uh at, at a national meet really I would expect them to reload and bring in some talent on the transfer portal next year. I think they'll look like a probably a much different team, but I, I think this was about as solid of a result as they could have expected coming in. Yeah, I mean, we we've seen this happen with Arkansas before. Um, you know, sometimes they have these dips in the years where they still have enough talent where they're competitive. They've probably have like one solo stick. In this case, it was Keprop. Um, and yeah, and now they're going to just run rampant on the transfer portal. And they're going to destroy the NCAA. And they're probably going to add a Juco guy who we've never heard of. And uh, they're going to be a top 10 team, maybe even a podium contender. Um, it, it, it just is it's the ebbs and flows of, of, this, of this group. So I'm, I'm not worried about them at all, especially because a lot of these guys, they're either like out of eligibility. Um, and so like scholarship allocation is probably like super wide open mm-hmm. for a lot of these, these guys. And, the transfer portal right now, I can tell you, like there are some names in there that could get really interesting. I, 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 even, I don't know if I've told you a few of them, but uh, yeah, it could, it could get really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm eager to hear some of those off air. Um, wrapping this up, Butler, I think 
this was about as solid as a performance as they could have expected as well. Barry King continuing his, his really good season. And, and Jesse Hamlin, I think, taking a, a small step forward this year, um, being more than just a, a really good 1,500-meter runner, finishing 119th this year. Um, and then their back end was just solid enough to be able to put them in that top 20 range. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Butler, like, Butler was never amazing this season, but they were solid and mm-hmm. they were fine. And like you could like they were a good passable national qualifying team. And I think they didn't have their best day ever, but with so many, well, you know, teams naturally, like I said, fall back in the results. 21st seems about right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not going to read into this too heavily. Seems about right. Absolutely. Uh, next five, we have 20th Tennessee, 19th Villanova, 18th Texas, 17th Harvard, and 16th Oregon. I think the Villanova, Tennessee, 19th, 20th was a, a lot further back than a lot of us predicted. Um, those were probably two of the more underwhelming performances. Villanova just didn't have that that like true low stick. Um, they, they didn't have a terrible pack. Um, they, they just didn't have that oomph at the, the top of the lineup that you would need to be a top 15 team. Um, and then Tennessee kind of had the opposite problem. They had really good low sticks and Jacobs and Abdallah just, just been very, I think he, he has maybe improved my opinion of him more than a lot of other runners because yep. he showed that last year was not a fluke any, in any way, shape or form. Um, but the rest of the lineup for Tennessee really suffered, um, and, and that dropped them to twentieth. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Um, I, it's just I think it's just a bad day. Like, mm-hmm. there's really only so much you can do. Um, same thing with Villanova. Um, you know, my my brother w- was texting me, and he's like, "Shame on you for betting on a Mid Atlantic team." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying my best, man. I had to be different." Um, but yeah, I think I think he also I think his initial text to me was. Um, uh, saying prayers for Mara's cat right now. Um, because, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's not, not looking good for her cat. And that, for anyone who doesn't recognize uh, that quote, I think Mar. I think the, the question we posed in the preview was uh, if you had to bet your life savings on a team exceeding their ranking, who would it be? And Mara said, my cat will go hungry if the Villanova men don't outperform their TSR number 11 ranking. And so, unfortunately, her cat is in dire situations right now. We're gonna have to set up set up a GoFundMe. But yeah, I mean, like, it just happens. Like, it's it stinks. Like Villanova, like you said, had a good pack. We just expected them all to be like twenty places higher each. Exactly. Um, so tough one. But Harvard. Oof! Wow. Man, I <laughs> did not I see this coming. And, and I think a lot of people, including you, uh, were like. Texas man can't believe it. I was like, really? We ranked them 18. They didn't weren't amazing. They weren't this good during the regular season, but they weren't terrible. So I I don't think it was unrealistic. But Harvard and Texas ran well. And also, I do want to say we ranked Harvard at 17 in the preseason. We ranked Texas at 18 during the preseason. Pretty solid. And those, but those were two teams that I like was very much down on after basically their second yeah. race of the season. And so for them to come all Yo. the way back around where, where we predicted them in the beginning of the season, I mean, they, they ran the way that we kind of outlined in the summer at NCAAs, but that was kind of the first time where they showed that all year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also yeah. shout, shout out to Graham Blakes. Like he, yeah. he was in the shadow of Acer Iverson all year 
and the dude just came out and finished sixth and was unbelievable. Um, Iverson was still um, right around the All-American range, finishing 50th, but he was awesome. I I, I mean, what a performance. And, and then for the, the rest of the Harvard guys, I mean, Melville didn't even have a good day. And that was kind of the crazy part. Like we were expecting him to be their third scorer. And instead it was guys like Ewing and Brosnan and Hens who stepped up to give the team a little bit better scoring potency in that back end to push them to 17th. Like I, I would, if you told me they finished 17th, I would have told you Melville was like a top 100 run. I I'm shocked by how they did this. Well, here's the thing. They weren't like with all due respect to Harvard, the back end wasn't even that good. It was just good enough. (laughs) The no one finished in the top one fifty overall results. Like it, it, it's that's exactly how we thought they were. In fact, they still left points on the table with Iverson, and you Mm -hmm. could even argue Melville as well. The fact that they got seventeenth while leaving points on the table, crazy. That's the craziest part to me. It's not necessarily that they got seventeenth; it's that they got seventeenth, and I don't even think they ran their best race. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and I mean. Texas, they show, I mean, Hefty Knight was the guy that we kind of talked about in the preseason. He finally did it. Yeah, finally did it. Isaac Alonzo was very solid for what we've seen from him this year. And then the rest of the lineup was just good enough. Um, The the talent kind of showed through. Um, Oregon, Aaron Bienefeld led the way. um, And then the rest of the lineup was kind of as expected. Like, not, not great, not bad, just good enough to be a solid mid-table team honestly the fact that they actually got 16th is i think a testament to how good schumacher is like mm-hmm. this really isn't like there's no firepower there's no firepower than bnfl there's there's no scoring potency and this isn't to say that this is a, a an untalented lineup but this is still a very developing. young nucleus they're so they're so young they're still developing they're not at all like refined it's still raw talent and they're just they still just kind of get by and it's really impressive stuff and the fact that they were able to just kind of get by the season and finish in the middle of the pack of the NCAAs meet is i think really impressive it will be fascinating however to see what this team looks like in 2023 when they lose Bienenfeld, right? Because like you, you'd imagine that everyone else improves, but how much more do they improve to the fact that they have to now counter the loss of Bienenfeld? I'm going to put you on the spot here. How many out of this top seven that we saw at NCAAs this year, how many of these guys do we see in their top seven next year? Great question. Hold on a sec here. I'm going to move this. So, Bienefeld is gone. Bienefeld's gone. So it's I good. think Gormley might be gone. He's listed as a senior. Right. I'm so, just curious more of, like, with the guys that maybe come in the transfer portal, guys that come in from the freshman class, yeah. who, like, who's going to be able to stick around? Like, I think Hussein probably will. Quissy Norman probably will. But after that, I, 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 I genuinely don't know how many other guys. Um... I'm shocked that Alex Slenning still has eligibility. I, I, I don't know if this is... I'm, I'm going to take a look at something real quick. Are you thinking of the Washington Slenning? Is, is this the same guy? That's what I'm wondering. I don't think so. There's no way. High school... Okay, so here's the thing. On Oregon's roster, he's listed as a senior. And his hometown's Portland, Oregon. His high school, which I think they mean previous school, is Washington. That's crazy. And yeah, yeah, and okay, here, and here he is, 2021 roster, Alex Slenning, 
Portland, Oregon. Yeah, it's the same guy. And uh, so I, I don't know if he's back. I'm going to say he's – I I'm, i don't know if right he's now. back. I, I'm going to say uh, Hussein or Hussein. I don't know how I'm saying that. Um, Norman. I, 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 I don't know it. enough about – I don't know enough about Stein. But I, I think either Stein or Josh Edwards, they're so young. They still got – like Josh Edwards was so crazy good. And I don't know enough about Stein. So I'd say like three of those guys. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a completely different team next year, um, which will be fun to watch. All right, let's move on. 15th place, Notre Dame, 14th, Washington, 13th, Gonzaga, 12th, Syracuse, 11th, NC State. I am so happy that Gonzaga did not uh, poop the bed this year and came through um, 13th place. I I think I had them even higher, so I I think I had them 11th, um, but this was a very solid performance. Uh, You've seen Grimaldi backed up my irrational faith uh of him throughout this whole season finishing 41st will smith was 59th james morrow wasn't even himself this year finished 101st this was just a very solid team that put together a very professional performance to take 13 it i'm so happy i i'm i was thrilled finally thank you gonzaga because uh, and here's the thing like i don't know I, I came into the season being like this is the last time that they can try for this. After this season, it's probably done. And I think a lot of that was just because I thought so much of their scoring was going to rely on James Mora. Um, Which is the crazy part. Like, we, we expected so much from Mora this season, and he really didn't give them a whole lot. No. No, he didn't. I think it's, it looks like, according to Tifers, this is all based on Tifers, where Molly's gone uh, this year, is, is Mora also gone? Mora's probably gone. McCollin is gone. They've got some young guys. They've got some like pretty decent dudes. Will Smith will return. They've got everyone else returning. Michael Moriano, um, the the stud from out west, the high school. He's a freshman this year. Could be really good. So yeah, um, but I think this is probably like they they had one final year to really deliver on all their firepower. They came through, and I'm just happy for it. I said, I think, in my prediction about which team would I bet to exceed their rankings, I, I think I had Washington. And they my I kind of outlined that there's they have Brian Fay, who I think is going to be really good. Who, who, man, came through. Brian Fay, uh, Island over here, we're doing great. You can come over anytime you want, Garrett. We got plenty of snacks. We're doing awesome. Can't wait for indoor <laughs> season. Um he was going to be a great low stick. He was. And then they just had too much talent not to at least put together a solid lineup behind him. Luke Hauser had a great, great race finishing 42nd um, to finish in the top half of the field. And that's what they did. So you're right. I was wrong. You were right. Brian Fay. Love to hear. Phenomenal. A little pissed off that he ran as well as he <laughs> did. Um, just for you. I'm happy for him, but I'm more upset about you. 13th is awesome. But you want to know something that's going to kind of ruin this whole thing for you? Washington finished 14th. I predicted them 16th. I predicted them actually pretty low. And that you was predicted them 19th. I know. I predicted them a whole three spots better. That was Did some you? cognitive dissonance there for me. I don't yeah. know what happened. Shame on you. All right, I'm moving off of Washington. Um, Notre Dame, what the heck happened? This this and Carter Solomon came through, yeah, I, and it wasn't like they had like a bunch of guy like they they still had three guys in the top one hundred. It was just it was pretty bleh after or the third was their third runner was Renfrey and one hundred third. But I mean they just didn't have a fourth or fifth. 
I mean, it's, it's crazy that they can go from Joe Piani and Nuttycomb to then floundering at ACCs and then just really being super unimpressive at the national meet. It's it's a tale of two teams. Like th- these are two these are two teams with the same personnel, but they're two entirely different entities. And it's crazy because like you look at this talent on this roster, and I'm still struggling to figure out like how did how were they not a top ten team? Like the talent on this roster, especially with Solomon stepping up, is insane. Yeah. So he was I'm so good still, this year. Yeah, he was. He was, and, and I really hope that I think I'm looking through the results now. Looking through the results, yeah. So Isaiah Sturry is probably going to be the best. I think that's yeah. Sturry was awesome this year. Yeah. Um, Fuad Masudi is listed as a freshman. I don't but, know if we're ten- no. He was he was there last year, right? I don't know if he ran cross country, but he at so least he was he there. came in during the winter. Is a thing. So this is his first cross country so season. That's, yeah, I don't. I think we have to. I had to take a look back at our criteria in terms of like what we classify that as. I don't know if that he he will be eligible for that. But um, yeah, I mean, I I like Isaiah Sturry a lot. I'm I'm just think he's going to be the next like big name for this team. So we'll see. Hopefully Notre Dame can rebound. I think they will. I think there's st- this team's still pretty young, generally speaking. Um, so we'll see what happens. NC State and Syracuse pretty much ran the same exact race for 11th and 12th. You look at their scoring structure, nearly identical. Um, NC State ended up having the best uh, number one guy, and that ended up being the difference. Ian Shanklin finishing 38th, while uh, Syracuse number one, uh, Nathan Lawler, was 46th. Um, But I I think solid results for both of these guys. I think NC State has shown flashes of this. Um, and Syracuse had, we maybe would have expected them to be a little bit higher up after how they started the season. But I, I think this is right around what we expected NC state, maybe on the higher end and Syracuse a little bit on the low. Yeah. Uh, I mean, NC state, <laughs> another team where I'm like, I have no idea what to think of them. Right. Like they were ninth at Joe Piani and what mm-hmm. fifth, were they fifth at ACC's is something like that fourth. I think. I know because Notre Dame was fourth. Oh, they were that's fifth. right. Okay. I think they were fifth. Um, but then they also were like what eleventh or tenth at Nuttycomb, and now eleventh at NCAA. So like another team where it's like it was really just like as long as everyone just did their job, they were gonna be okay. In a bigger field, the way that their lineup structure worked, it benefited them. And it clearly showed. I think we probably should have put more stock into that. But Nuttycomb did suggest that this was possible. Yeah, uh, and you were higher on Syracuse than I was. You you picked them eleventh. I, I think I had them down in twentieth, and they they came through. They 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 were very solid. Um, wow, I can't believe I had Notre Dame at thirteen. I can't believe I actually got that close on them. Yeah, that that I I was when I was looking at these predictions after we posted, I was like, I'm higher on Notre Dame than Garrett. That that almost never happens. No, no, it was actually surprised. I'm trying to figure out where did everyone else put. Okay, I'm not not we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> All right. Tenth, North Carolina, ninth, Tulsa, eighth, Colorado, seventh, Air Force, and sixth, Wisconsin. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out. I think you're getting your numbers mixed up. North Carolina tenth, tenth Tulsa ninth, ninth Colorado sorry. eighth, Air Force seventh, Wisconsin sixth. My bad. Thank Very you. Good. Um Tulsa did pretty much what we expected. Uh, that fifth runner was real, real bad. And that dropped them from possibly being fifth to ninth. So 
I had Tulsa finishing third. Um, I had to be different. I had to do something edgy. Everything that I had realized, I, we were doing like our reactions, and it was I I posed the question, and it was like, which of your predictions did you get right? And I like started going through it. Everyone has like all these great answers, and I'm going through it. I'm like, I didn't get anything like like there was nothing crazy like right. outlandish on the men's side that I predicted that came to fruition. And maybe because I was just so safe in all my picks, but the one bizarre pick that I did make was just so far from off. They only had two All-Americans. They still had a, the, the same scoring structure that I thought they had. Yeah. Man, that fifth runner was just crushing. Not great. Um, Colorado ran, I think, exactly as we kind of predicted them to at the beginning of the season. Um, they had five guys in the top 90. Um, they only had one All-American, but they just were a solid, compact team um, that didn't overwhelm you with firepower, but their depth was just going to be good enough to finish in the top 10. Um, so we we released um, our preview on, on our Instagram page, right? We showed like, ah, oh, here's a few picks from each of our writers. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think Scotty maybe. I put that he had Austin Vansel in 36th place and someone commented, do you know where I'm going with this? No. And someone commented, ain't no way Vansel's getting 36th place. I don't know if anyone saw the results. Austin Vansel got 36th place. Dead so, on. Dead. Like you, we literally, Scotty literally couldn't have been more accurate in his assessment. Um, but regardless, it's a, it was a, this result reflected their season as a whole. Good team. It didn't all come together. Like the pack, the, the overall pack didn't move up like we thought they would. They had, like we said, five guys who were all well within that, you know, kind of like top 30 to top like 80 ish kind of range. But they just didn't, it just wasn't enough firepower. Yeah. This is really what we thought. We just thought it would hold more scoring weight. And Air Force was just a slightly better version of that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and they didn't have a whole lot of low sticks. Um, I think Sam Gilman was that guy that maybe we expected to be that, and he was 57th, but Ryan Johnson, Ethan Marshall continued to step up, um, and, and they had five guys in the top 80. They were just really solid. They had a good sixth man. Like They, they were just this really reinforced what we had seen in the regular season, and I think this was the perfect capstone for this team. Seventh place seems just about right and pushes this team to a level that I can't remember them ever being at. No, I mean this is historically huge for Air Force. Um, yeah, I, I just I just respect the heck out of this team because it, you know not their Cowboy Jamboree result. I think what they were like ninth. You look at their result and it's like it's night and day. Like it, they're completely different. I don't know how they jumped from that result to now. Like they were ninth at Cowboy Jamboree, but now seventh at the national meet. Impressive way. Like I have no idea what they did and just turned on the Jets, but completely different team and super impressive. So shout out to Air Force. North Carolina in 10th. Uh, Parker Wolf was great. And then the rest of the lineup was solid. I, I mean, you, you had to like what you got from Ethan Strand finishing 62nd. Um, and then guys like Patrick Anderson, John Tater, or Tatter were right there. Um, ben Fleming didn't give them the boost that maybe we were hoping he could, but it, it ultimately didn't really matter. They were just a very solid, if not spectacular team behind Wolf, and that's really all they needed to be to be a top 10 team this year. 
And I'm so glad you said that exactly because what I exactly said was when you add in Ethan Strand and Crawford Hope, there are seven men on this roster who can realistically be scores for UNC at the national meet. I don't know if all seven of them will run to their full potential on Saturday, but as long as five of them do, that's fine. And that's, that's I mean, what happened. I should have said that for the prediction that I had. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was as spot on for what happened. So, um, and also shout out Wisconsin. I think they do need to get, get attention here. Sixth place. Big result. Jackson Sharp is awesome. He was so, like, I think we knew he was better than where he was ranked, but 16th is so far and beyond where we thought. Yeah, Bob Liking didn't even have his best day, um, but you just, uh, and I think I said this before, you just felt like they had six or seven guys that you could kind of interchangeably put in their top five and you would feel good about it. And, I mean, Evan Bishop was just a few spots behind Jack Meyer for their fifth runner. Charlie Wheeler and Rowan Ellenberg were really solid. I mean, this is just a very complete team that it's almost difficult for them to have a bad day with the way with the guys that they have on this team. Well put. It was difficult for them to have a bad day. Um, I like this team. It's crazy that I don't think everyone even ran at their best. Um, I don't know what their eligibility structure is like. I'd have to take like a look at that again, but I'm I'm pretty pretty encouraged by like, most. What this team can do. I think most yeah, I think, would be back. Yeah, I think a lot of these guys like this could be a podium team in 2023. Absolutely, top five, fifth Wake Forest, fourth Stanford, third BYU, second Oklahoma State, and your three second three peat champions NAU. Incredible performance. <sighs> Um, do we just want to like get Wake Forest out of the way so we can address everyone else? So yes, Wake Forest, I, they did exactly what I think I've been harping on all year where they had they all these guys had shown flashes that they could be this good. And if they put it together, they're going to do it. And that's exactly what that, they did that at ACC's. They did that again here. Faccioni, Tawal, Los Harris have been open all really, really good. And then fifth runner Martinez de Pinos was a little bit back, but not so far back that it killed their chances at being fifth. Like this, this was just a very good performance and a culmination of something that's been building for the last two or three years. Yeah. I mean, this was, I'll say this though. This was a best case scenario for Wake Forest. Like yes. Faccioni 20th had not shown that he was maybe even going to be an All-American this year. Luke Tewalt 22nd showing like he was pretty, that he was nationally competitive, but not 22nd like place. No, not like that. Aaron Los Herreras, 26th. Fine. You could make that argument. That's yeah. not surprising. Um, and then like Van Hoppen 56, like he comes through again in the clutch support score and then 100th place. Like the firepower that was there. We knew they had good firepower. We didn't think it was going to be elite firepower, and that's what put them over the top. Um, it wasn't quite as a complete lineup as we thought it would be, but it, with that kind of firepower, it doesn't matter for a fifth-place finish. I'm glad Wake Forest got this kind of result because I think what they've been building to over the last few years, there's been steady progression to get to this point. They really delivered on all of their potential, and I think that's really exciting uh, if you're Wake Forest. Agreed. Do we want to go start with uh, a high note or a low note as we do these top four? Well, we should we should end the podcast on a high note. So let's unfortunately transition to a low note. Garrett, I feel like Charlie Brown kicking the football <laughs> with this freaking Stanford yeah. team. Yeah. It is killing me. Like it, yeah. it is uh, every year. Uh, and this year at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, 
the football has been pulled away and I've ended up on my back too many times. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then they pull me back in and I'm all the way back and I'm, I'm, I'm winding up my leg. I'm hitting this 60 yarder like it's no issue. And then they do it again. They, they yank it away. And, and I, 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 I'm going to have some major trust issues with this team, despite the young twins coming in next year. I, I, I and I wrote in my like, reaction, I was like, at this point, it doesn't matter what they do if it's not in a like mid November race at this point. Like, like I, I just, they can be, they can look like world beaters at Neticon. And I, I just, I don't know if I could give my heart to them again. I, I, I'm scarred. Oh, applause for Ben. This was a hell of a performance. Have you ever, you ever thought about acting school, drama school? This was phenomenal. This um, isn't acting. This, this is, this is raw emotion oh, here. I, I know, I know, right? You can channel raw emotion beautifully for a show like this. Anyways, um, here's the thing. I, in as, in as, poetic as that was i agree like i like ah like and here's the problem here's the thing and everyone will say well cole sprout was injured and we were right cole sprout was injured a partially torn hamstring um which is ultimately what what did him in but even if he was 10th place they still finished fourth they don't they, not they do they just move up to third they still finished fourth with three guys in the top 11 and like this is what I was talking about. I don't know if I trusted that back end. I had every reason to, but I also had good reason to say, like, hey, are we confident that the back end's gonna come through? And, and listen, it was, just wasn't their day. But it, and they weren't horrible. That's the thing. No, it wasn't like they crashed like like Devin Hart 51st, my uh Boyden Rousseau, 71st, Boyden, 75th. Like, it's not like they were really bad. It's just no. they weren't good like they weren't great and they needed at least two of those guys needed to like if if heart's your fifth guy that's fine but like they needed someone else to be that fourth guy in that all-american range to be able to give this team a chance at winning. yeah yeah i mean it was it was tough like i think we got really excited about what a lot of those back ends guys like potential was and we never really got and we we but they it were consistent out. in the yeah, uh, at the end were, of the year. That good. was the thing. It's like we weren't even relying on potential. We were just relying on what we'd seen. Well, I don't know. I, I think I think we all expected these guys to all be finished high. Like I think we expected Micah Boudreau and for Hart to be all Americans. Yeah. And I, I just we didn't see that. And I think that's probably closer to their 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 potential ceiling mm-hmm. than it was maybe their floor, which is probably today. Um Fair. But regardless, it's just it it stinks. I, I really thought that this was their year. They're a talented team. Like, I like all these guys. Like I like pointing to every single guy and being like, you provide just as an individual. Like like if you just like looked at our individual rankings, like they all had value and all had arguments to be in our top fifty. So it's it's really unfortunate, but it, it happens. You take it, and we will learn from this, Ben. We will. Have we ever seen a team put seven guys in the top fifty two before and, and lose? Like what BYU did is, is pretty wild in, in, and, and to lose, not only lose, but lose by like 50 points. Yeah. Like they, I, it killed them that Christian Allen wasn't that kind of bridge between Klinger and Garnica. Like we kind of expected him to, I mean, he didn't run horribly. He was 47, but they needed him to, to provide a little bit more of that pop. Um, because they were, they were all solid. They just, it, it, there wasn't that oomph in the front two or three well, to be same, able to give them enough. The same thing could be said about Joey Noakes, right? Right. Yeah. Like, Joey Noakes, 52nd. And like the, the, and what I, what 
gets me so frustrated about this is like they didn't run poorly. Like they got third. They got third with what you said, three guys in the top 52 overall spots. Like it's it's crazy. Like that the fact that they have four All-Americans, including yeah, four All-Americans, and they got third by a lot. And I like I, I if I'm BYU, it's almost like I'm Parker Volby. Like I don't know what you could have done. I really don't know if you because even if Allen runs right next to Klinger, they lose. Like, yeah. Like I, I just don't know what else they could have done, and so like that's that's the frustrating part. Like I'm not frustrated at BYU. I'm just frustrated about basic math. Yeah, that's that's what frustrates me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they 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 ran well. It was a uh, basically what we'd seen all year. They packed up and put together a really solid performance. Ultimately, they might just be a year or two away. Uh, where that that pack just needs another year to develop so that they can be 10 spots higher, and, and that would be the difference. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. All right, let's move on to what everyone actually wants to talk about, the grand finale of the We podcast. buried it deep hour-plus into this podcast. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'll let you take the lead. So, NAU, like, <laughs> they... Did not show this all year. And so, like, when we're predicting them to finish third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever this this week, this weekend, I, I don't see that as much of a sign of disrespect. I think that's more of just, like, what, what we had seen so far. But I think we all in the back of our head was, like, they can make us look stupid. They could really do it. Like, they've done it that so many times. Coach Smith knows how to get this team ready that they could, they could all of a sudden, if I see a bunch of yellow jerseys up front, I'm going to get nervous that, I went the wrong way with my prediction. And that's exactly what happened. They, the institutional knowledge, Brody hasty is just call him up in November because before that he's going to be just chilling, training and Flagstaff, not necessarily racing his best, but he's going to be putting in that work because he's going to be at his best when NCAA is coming around. 25th place finish is just massive. George Kusha, after an inconsistent year, put it together at the right time to finish 39th. And Santiago Prosser just had taken a big step forward already, took another huge step forward to finish 19th this week. I mean, everything had to go right for this team, and it absolutely did. And they still won off of a tie break. And, and that's just so heartbreaking for Oklahoma State. And if you're Oklahoma State, I'll, I'll give them their flowers because really it's I mean, it's a tie for the title. Like, you know, like on their end, you kind of look at everything. You For most of this, you're like, actually, yeah, a lot of this makes sense. Like, Mayer in fifth. Um, Rodriguez in eighth. Uh, she saw my 34th. Leonard, 32nd. If I told you, like, they were going to finish all in those spots, I think we would have been like, yeah, that was about yep. right. Yeah, roughly sure. I think we've all probably predicted around the, that, that range. I, I'm sure. I don't know. You can check as I'm, as I'm yeah. like, spilling here. But... The the big thing was Fuabasuri. Never saw this coming. Twelfth place. He is the difference maker. He probably has to win breakout runner of the year. Maybe Solomon. I, I guess the problem is like he was six at Big Twelves. That was his only other race this year, and like that. That's all we have to go off of. Like he was. He's great in the fifteen hundred meters. He's great in the three k. But he's not twelfth at the national meet. Good here. At least he he never like really truly showed that. So it's it's so hard to like wrap my head around that, but you know what? Shout out to him. He's the he's the reason why they tied at eighty three points, and um, I I think 
we have to start having we have to we have to have this conversation because it's basically like everything that's being spoken about right now the tiebreaker so yeah i i, I just i just want to real quick i just want to spiel real quick i just want to spiel. you and i have both been proponents of the six-man tiebreaker the ncaa uses 5v5 so there's that i just want to say although i do believe that the six-man tiebreaker should be used because it's used everywhere else outside the ncaa i I'm, I, I still think NAU deserve the title. And I also understand that NAU, like I understand like the argument for the 5v5 because so the way someone put it to me was, would you rather a tiebreaker be chosen based off of over 71% of how your lineup performed or under 15% of how your lineup uh, performed? And that's the way. So I, I just want to say, I think a lot of people are like, you guys just wanted a, you know, Oklahoma State to win. I don't really care who wins. But that I just want to say I understand what the argument is for the 5v5. Yeah, I mean, they're basically scoring it like a dual meet. And you're basically scoring it based off of just those teams and not you don't care about the other runners' um, performances nearly as much. So I, I, I get it. Maybe we can have a large I, – I think maybe in – quieter times we can have a longer discussion about that i would have liked to see in the six man because i think that's why you run seven but at the end of the day I, i'm not gonna get too worked up about it um yeah. because I, I i think like we talked about both of these teams needed incredible performances to to finish uh where they did with these 83 83 points um and we both i think i looked we both had rory leonard predicted in the top 30 um, I think we were both a little bit further down on Rodriguez and Chitsama, but like those guys had the capability and, and that was always, always in the cards. I, it, it would have just been so cool to see someone new win on their home course. Um, I respect the heck out of what NAU's done. Um, and you just, you, this shows that despite what they show in the regular season, you can't ever count them out. Yeah. I mean, I, the problem is that, like, I think a lot of people confuse like winners' exhaustion. Like, what's what's the uh, like what's the like thing? voter like, fatigue? Like, voter fatigue. That's it. Like, like winner fatigue. I think people like mistake winner fatigue with like um like not being a fan of a team or mm. like not yeah. appreciating or not thinking that they deserve it. Like, listen, is it less exciting that NAU wins every year? compared to everyone else sure but guess what in all my years of doing this of doing tsr and doing writing adam state and colorado mines and grand valley state dominate division two so much more on a historical basis than nau really has prior up until like the the, the past decade really like i know nau has been great but like d2 it is truly like the top of the top of the top of the top and no one else and those fans are always the most passionate. They always care the most. Like, it, it's not even close, actually. It's actually borderline cultish. It, so I, I just don't want to mistake in winter fatigue with not appreciating what NAU did. I, I think that's spot on. Like, they're an amazing program and deserve to be celebrated. It's just, I want to write a slightly different story this time or record <laughs> a slightly different podcast. Like, yeah, uh, that, yeah. that's, and, that, and that's, that's just me. Um, but yeah, I congratulations to NAU. Congratulations to Oklahoma State. They both deserve to win this title. Ultimately, it went to NAU. Um, and 
that I think unless you have any other thoughts, I think that wraps it up for us. No, I, I think I got to hop off because I don't want to let my, my roommate uh, go to sleep here as I'm, I'm sure he hears me in the other room just yelling about like the tiebreaker six men. Like, so I, I will, I will let him sleep, but uh, Ben, phenomenal work on this podcast. I said it wasn't going to be as long as last time and I was Plus. right, except it was only going to be 10 minutes less. Um, but regardless, shout out to you. Great work this season. Thank you to Hoka for sponsoring us for NCAA XE coverage and throughout the month of December. We love you, Hoka. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. This was a really fun season. We were so happy to have XC back and uh, spread the word, like send out the podcast. The podcast has been growing, even if our reviews have been faltering. <laughs> um, and we're, we've just been really excited and just, just appreciate everyone for listening because it's been, it's been a lot of fun doing this. So yeah. Absolutely. And shout out to Wyatt uh, as a new addition on this podcast yes. this, this year, who's, who's been invaluable. Um, yeah, it's been a fun year. Thank you to everybody who's listened along the way. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as Garrett and I have, because this is this has been a ball. Like we've been talking for an hour and a half minutes and or hour and a half, um, and it doesn't feel like that because it, this is just so much fun to talk about. I'm constantly in analysis mode now nowadays, so this is just like drinking water to me or breathing air. So, um, but Ben, I will let you go. Thank you again to Hoka, and uh, that's all I got. All right. Well, until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.